I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to talk about the T. Higgins extension. We're going to talk about re-signing Jake Browning and Cal Adamitis. We're going to go over the combine. We're going to go over the new coaches. We're going to discuss some headlines. And then we're going to talk about the offensive performances from last year for each player and each position group. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. All right, so here we are in the rare NFL lull right after the Super Bowl. A shame that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl again. I just don't think it's good for football to have this kind of dynasty going on. And we know there's one man capable of breaking up this dynasty, and his name is Joe Burrow, and he resides in Cincinnati. So I'm looking forward to getting a healthy Joe Burrow back, dethroning the Chiefs, and creating a new dynasty. All right, so let's go over some headlines. The biggest headline of the last couple weeks is T. Higgins getting the franchise tag. Now, I know players aren't really that happy when they get franchise tagged, but T. Higgins is going to make $21.8 million this year, and we're going to keep the Burrow-Chase-Higgins combination alive for yet another season, and we can hopefully make a deep run this year with those three guys intact. Higgins is a great guy, he's great in the locker room, and he's a star-wide receiver. A number one on this team and on any other team. I know one, 1A, whatever the case may be, we actually have two number one wide receivers, and that's a nice problem to have. We'll see what happens over the long run, but let's at least worry about this year. I don't think they're going to sign Higgins to a huge extension because they're working on Chase this season, but at least Higgins is in the fold. If you remember the Super Bowl from a couple years back, he would have been the Super Bowl MVP had we won that game. He had two touchdowns and a monster game. And a great career so far as a Bengal in his first four seasons. 900 yards as a rookie. 1,000 yards the next two seasons. Last year was a little derailed by injuries, but he still put up five touchdowns on the season and was always a threat when he was in there and made one of the most magical plays that we're never going to forget against the Vikings. The spin and you're in, I guess I'm going to call it. So big move bringing T. Higgins back. I've been a big advocate of that all season long. And thank you, Mr. Tobin, Mr. Taylor, and Mr. Brown for listening to the Unofficial Bengals podcast. In other news, they tendered offers to some restricted free agents. Jake Browning is going to be around and Cal Adamitis. Two valuable guys. You want your backup quarterback who showed flashes of being a star and your long snapper who has so far played in the spirit of Clark Harris and has not had an unplayable snap. 
So Browning and Adam Midas in the fold. They're in the fold for at least one year at the rookie minimum, but the team can negotiate with them and get a more long-term deal. So I don't know what's going to happen contract-wise with those guys, but Higgins, Browning, and Adam Midas are all going to be Bengals in 2024. And here we are on the eve of the NFL Combine and a couple weeks away from free agency, so everything is heating up. At the Combine, Mr. Tobin spoke, Coach Taylor spoke, and Mr. Tobin said they want to try to bring back a lot of their guys. He wasn't giving away too much. He said they wanted to keep T. Higgins not just as trade bait, but as a player on this roster for the long run because he sees the same things that I see that this guy is going to contribute to many championships. So not a lot coming out of the press conferences. And again, you don't want to give too much up. I know as fans, we hunger for as much knowledge and as much information about what the team's going to do, but they don't want to tip their hand to all the other teams. So I like the fact that Mr. Tobin gave some answers, but kept a lot of stuff under the cuff. And while the Bengals added a couple new coaches last week, they added three new coaches this week, all assistants. So on the defensive side of the ball, they hired Ronnie Regula as a defensive assistant. He had nine years coaching in college, coming from Notre Dame. So again, the Bengals are increasing their coaching staff, getting more minds in that room, getting young, fresh minds in that room. And you can't go wrong. The more coaches that you have, the more perspectives, the more well-rounded you're going to be. Of course, the coordinators, the head coach, those guys are going to be making the big decisions. But it can't hurt to have some extra guys in the room contributing to you know, the brain trust and the strategies and the development of players. And remember, coaching isn't just X's and O's. It's the development of talent. It's the teaching of NFL skills to the players. So the more people that you have in the room, the more one-on-one time, the more analysis of individual players, so it definitely can't hurt. They added Jordan Salkin as an offensive assistant. He spent a year with the Dolphins, and at last he was with the University of Oregon. So he'll be helping out with the offensive game plans and the development of players. And then you have Ben Jacobs that was hired as a special teams assistant. He was a coach in the NFL for five years, last with the Commanders, spent some time with the Panthers, and he was an eight-year NFL linebacker who also spent a pretty brief stint on the Bengals practice squad. So Brad Cragthorpe takes over as the quarterback's coach, and it makes sense because he's been in the building for quite a few years. He knows Joe Burrow from LSU, and he's going to be taking over for Coach Pitcher. They've worked together for several years. Pitcher's going to be the offensive coordinator, Craig Thorpe is going to work with the quarterbacks. I don't think we're going to see any drop-off, and it's keeping that same support system for Joe Burrow intact, even with the departure of Coach Callahan. Jordan Kovacs takes over as the safeties coach, and if you remember, one of my top coaches from last year was Robert Livingston, and he's been a longtime safeties coach for us, and all I read was that he moved on to other opportunities. I'm not sure what that means, but you're going to have a young, hungry coach in Coach Kovacs ready to lead that young secondary and help those young safeties continue to develop. And then they brought in Justin Rascati from the Minnesota Vikings, and he's going to be basically an offensive assistant. No defined role yet from Coach Taylor, just as Coach Taylor said, and I kind of like this, another offensive brain in the building. So we'll see what kind of role he develops, and I'm sure if they're bringing him in, he's someone that's going to help contribute. It's a young mind, it's a fresh mind, it's a different perspective. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to contribute to this championship run that we're about to go on. Transactions, there was only one, and it was A.J. McCarron released. So good old friend A.J. McCarron saved our 2015 season, and he came in to be a savior for the 2023 season if Jake Browning didn't work out. Browning did. McCarron got very little action, 
And, you know, he was just a security blanket. I don't know if they're ever going to bring him back. I thought that his arm strength looked a little off, but it was in such limited reps. So it's really unfair for me to say that about McCarron. But I think the Bengals are going to draft a quarterback somewhere in the mid-rounds of the draft just to have a number three. I don't think they're going to bring in a veteran because you have Browning, who's kind of considered a veteran at this point. So the Bengals aren't going to spend a million plus on a veteran backup when you have Browning. And like I said, I think they're going to draft one. But we'll talk about that when we talk about player needs down the road. But A.J. McCarron, thank you again for the service. You know, I kind of knew that if you had to go in there in a pinch, we weren't going to totally fall apart. So it was nice to have you as insurance for Jake Browning this season. All right, so let's get down to business. We'll talk about each position group. We'll give it a grade, and we'll talk about the players' performances within that position group. We're going to start off with the obvious position of quarterback. And as always, my promise to you, I'm not going to go crazy with stats. I might drop in a couple numbers that have some relevance. But again, football is not a game of stats. Football is a game of performance and winning and the eye test. So again, I'm not going to be relying on stats for all of this. I'm just going to give you my opinion on the eye test of these players. So with quarterback, we're going to start with Joe Burrow, obviously the face of the franchise, and someone that when he's in the lineup, you always have a chance at the championship. Now, this was a rough year for Burrow. He's coming in with a calf injury in training camp. You know, he has another fluke injury 10 games in and, you know, kind of loses most of the season. So it was, as Joe Burrow said, a weird year, and it took us a while to dig out of the hole. So the first couple games, he wasn't right. And that was obvious in the 0-2 start. Then he started to get a little bit healthier and find his legs underneath him. And you saw by mid-season, he was in Joe Burrow form and playing as well as anyone in the league, you know, with the win over Seattle. And then you had the Niners blowout and the Bills all all within a couple-week period of each other. And it looked like we were hitting our mid-season stride like always and, you know, going to go on to the AFC Championship and beyond. You know, that was our expectation. Unfortunately, Joe did get hurt against the Ravens in Game 10. And, you know, those dreams were kind of squashed. But the only thing that slowed Burrow down were the two injuries this year. All the other things were in place, right? The accuracy, throwing into tight windows, being able to throw intermediate, long, short passes, spreading the ball around to different receivers, reading defenses, making adjustments, the leadership in and out of the huddle, in and out of the locker room, being an example as as a as a human being, as a teammate, as a player, as a citizen. So all the Joe Burrow things that made him great, that make him great, were present this year. It was just marred by some injuries that took place. And again, I think that if Joe Burrow was in the lineup, we would have went deep into the playoffs and, like I always say, beyond. So then we have Jake Browning come in, and it's a big mystery. You know, honestly, I was like, oh, we're in trouble. The guy could barely move the ball in the preseason. We weren't scoring touchdowns. And then he has the game against Pittsburgh where he has the bad interception early and doesn't look like he can put up a lot of points for us. And then the light goes on, and we have a guy in the mold of Joe Burrow. Obviously not on Burrow's level, because there's only a couple quarterbacks in the world that are. But Browning showed that he is an NFL starter and can be a quality player. And when his contract is up with the Bengals, he's going to make some big money elsewhere. And he was doing all those things. He came in right away, he seized his opportunity, and he had confidence. And he's been successful on every level. He's just never gotten a chance in the NFL. But he didn't doubt himself. And he took advantage of his opportunity. And he played really well. And some of the same things that you see in Burrow. There was accuracy. There were good decisions. There was leadership. There was confidence. He made all the the throws that you want to see him make. You know, corner routes in the end zone. Deep outs. Posts. Deep balls. Short balls. Intermediate. 
throwing to guys out of the backfield, leading guys, not throwing people into big hits. So he showed everything that we like out of Joe Burrow. I think it was innate within him, but he's been well coached with this coaching staff, and he's been learning under Joe Burrow for a couple years. So it all came into fruition, and Jake Browning had a monster year. And again, not to go stat crazy, but a QBR of 98, a completion percentage of 70. Those are big numbers. Those are numbers that really matter. The, you know, I, I say completion percentage, yards per attempt, and touchdown-interception ratio. Those are, I think, the big stats as a quarterback. So Jake Browning, phenomenal season. And when you take what Burrow is and what Browning is, even with Burrow fighting his way through injuries and Jake Browning finding his legs in the NFL, I give the quarterback position for the Bengals for the 2023 season an A. All right, on to running back. Joe Mixon continues to play well and seems ageless for the Bengals. I mean, he had 1,400 all-purpose yards and 11 touchdowns for us this year. I know there weren't a lot of 100-yard games, but in his defense, I didn't think he had a lot of huge holes to run through for the most part this year. And again, as he gets older, I mean, he was a, a bell cow running back, and I think they should bring him back. I know there's talk that they may not to save a couple million, but I think let him play out one more year because he has not slowed down whatsoever. But I think his niche as he gets older, and I've said this before, is as a receiver coming out of the backfield. And he had 52 catches this year, a ton of big plays out of the backfield, and was a very effective weapon. So I, I say you keep mixing around one more year in this capacity, and then hopefully you can bring him back on a little bit lesser of a deal and kind of flip-flop and make one of the other running backs the bell cow and mix in more of a third down out of the backfield threat. And I know Chase Brown has that role, and he's fully capable of that role, but I want to keep Mixon in the building. He's a great leader, and I really think that he had a great year for us this year. And then we move on to Chase Brown, and he had 58 touches over the last basically half of the year because he didn't get any carries early, then he hurt his hamstring, and he showed great burst and big playability, showing, I mean, that 154-yard reception where he weaved in and out of the defense for a touchdown, a couple really big plus-20 runs. He just seems like he's a home-run threat every time he touches the ball. I'm not sure if he has the same bell cow ability as a Mixon just because of his physical stature, but he's someone that can definitely be in that running back rotation. You know, it's, it's now running back by committee, and he could be a guy that handles half the carries and a bunch of receptions out of the backfield, and maybe Mixon is the other guy to do that, and you have this nice one-two punch, and you have fresh legs on Brown, and you have legs that aren't dead yet on Mixon. So Chase Brown, really exciting player for us. In the beginning, we're wondering, like, ah, you know, kind of a wasted pick, and then once he got his opportunity... He ran with it as well, and we saw that we have a very explosive player here and someone that they're going to involve a lot more deeply next year. Travion Williams, a quality running back who can definitely play in this league. Now, we didn't get him a ton of touches. I mean, He had 22 touches on the year, 79 total yards, so you're figuring that's like very minimal duty. But you saw him on special teams. You saw him get in there in a pinch for Mixon before Chase Brown was ready. And he just didn't get a ton of opportunities. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, but I trust him to go in there and be a rotational running back. And again, the numbers don't reflect anything major out of him, but he had a few runs and, and a couple plays this year where you saw flashes. And then, as always, the lost Chris Evans. Do you know that he only had three touches from scrimmage this season? I don't know what goes on. I, maybe they're just... Maybe he's just the fourth best running back in that room, according to the coaching staff. And we're always wondering, like, it always seems like when he's in there, he has a chance to do something big. 
and they just never use them. And you have to trust the coaching staff. They see these guys every day. You know, we see them on game day, get a, get a couple touches here and there, and we think, oh, this guy should be playing more. But the coaching staff lives it. You know, they, they see them every day. They have meetings about these guys. They review every ounce of their practice film, every ounce of their game film. So in addition to being, you know, further down on the depth chart, maybe there's a reason why he's not playing more. And I hope they bring him back, and I hope he gets more opportunity. And if not here, I'm sure he's going to go elsewhere and have a functional NFL career. And that's another one. So that's how the NFL goes. They cycle you out pretty quickly. Chase Brown caught on right away, right? Mixon is a veteran. Travion Williams, you know, now they can draft and get younger and cheaper. Chris Evans, they can draft and get younger and cheaper. And, you know, that's the cruel realities of the NFL. So I don't know what's going to happen to Williams or Evans. But the fact is, as far as a grade on both of them, it's kind of incomplete because there's they didn't get a lot of action and a lot of opportunity. But that says something about the durability of Mixon as well. So overall, for the running back group, I'm going to give it a B plus, And I give it a B plus because... They did what they needed to do, they made plays when they needed to make plays, and they would have had bigger numbers and more explosive plays if they had better blocking up front in the run game. Okay, wide receiver, Jamar Chase, one of the top wide receivers in the league, just exciting every time he touches the ball. One of those Bengals that is just thrilling, you love everything that he does, and he does everything right, and he's on a trajectory just like Joe Burrow for the Hall of Fame, and I know it's early in both of these players' careers. But they've both shown that they're on top of the league and on top of the game. And when healthy, they're both unstoppable. And Chase does it in all aspects. The routes, the speed, the catching ability, the circus catches, fighting his way through double coverage, moving around playing the X, the Y, the Z. Really hard runs after catch. No defensive back wants to tackle him in the secondary. Catches the ball with his hands on the run, makes big plays. And I've always said if there's nothing like a burrow to chase deep ball, it's the most exciting thing in the Bengals' arsenal. Chase, 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns, and he missed a couple games, and when he came back, he still wasn't right. So he played through injury at the end when we still had a chance for the playoffs, and he was on pace for 1,500 yards and over 10 touchdowns, and who knows what his numbers would have been. They probably would have broken Bengals' records as far as receiving yards. But again, he had that shoulder injury, and that's hard to come back from, and guys target it. When they know you have a shoulder you're getting extra chucks at the line. You know, when they're coming in to hit you, they're going to target a certain area. So in addition to him playing hurt, he had a huge bullseye on that shoulder, and he just fought his way through it, was a gamer, was a hero, and is one of the greatest Bengals. And I give him a phenomenal grade for this year because he is a playmaker. Higgins' rough year, contract year, it's just because of injury. When he's in there, he's so effective. And he had 600-plus yards and five touchdowns, but he missed a lot of time. And he wasn't right, too, when he came back. It took him a while. And I guess I'm making excuses for a player, but there's a guy who played hurt, and when he's healthy, he's on top of the league. So you can't give him a phenomenal grade for this year because he wasn't active for a lot of it. But when he's in there, he's a force, and he's one of the top wide receivers in the league. Tyler Boyd, in what could be his last year as a Bengal, He had a little bit of an up-and-down year, but he was there when we needed him. He made some big catches and big plays, and, you know, I know he had a couple drops that were very well documented, but he was Tyler Boyd. He's our guy. He's a great slot receiver, and his skills may be slightly declining, but he's still an elite wide receiver in this league. I don't know that we're going to be able to bring him back, but I didn't think that he had a bad year, and there were times where he really bailed us out. 
Only two touchdowns for Tyler Boyd this season and a little less action than normal, but it's hard. When you have Chase and Higgins, there's only so many receptions that can go around for these guys, so he was the victim of that. Didn't complain, remained a leader, and stepped up whenever we needed him. So I think that Tyler Boyd had a great year for us. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I just hope he doesn't go to Pittsburgh. Other receivers, Andre Yosivash. An exciting player for us, a fan favorite, four touchdowns in limited duty, where he really excelled is a goal line wide receiver or a red zone wide receiver. And, you know, you're thinking, well, Tyler Boyd leaves and Yosivash takes his place. He's not really a slot guy, so that's not the true parallel for Boyd. It would probably be Charlie Jones that they would lean on more in the slot than Yosivash. But Yosivash is a nice fill-in for Higgins when he's out, and you can see the light went on for him. You know, he played at Princeton. He wasn't playing in the SEC and against all this great competition. So he needed a little time to get used to the highest level of competition. And you saw that he belongs. You saw the athleticism, high-pointing balls. He was running good routes. And I think for a six-round pick, we got a steal there. And if he just continues to climb as he has been, we're going to have a solid wide receiver for the long term and someone with big playability. And remember, if you can build on that athleticism, learn from the great receivers like Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, and this coaching staff, and you stay healthy, you're in for a great career. So it is definitely, the arrow is definitely pointing upward for Yosivash, and I'm looking forward to what he's going to be doing in the upcoming years. And you know they're going to be using him a lot more next year with Tyler Boyd gone, not even as a slot guy, but just when you're down one great wide receiver, you're going to have the younger guys get more involved in some capacity. Trent Irwin, I hope they keep him in the building and he does nothing but produce every time he's in there and he does nothing but get hit as hard as a human being gets hit every time he's in there. Whether it's returning punts, making receptions over the field and just getting knocked around. I mean, he just shows up and he's an underdog. You don't expect him to be a game breaker, but you give him opportunities and he is. I remember that one touchdown pass against the Texans early that he had. And he had 25 receptions this year, 15 of them for first downs. So it was a guy that Burrow was looking for on third downs, and he definitely stood up and and stepped up when we needed him to. And another guy that hopefully they can bring back. I don't know if he's going to command a big price out there. He's a guy that you want to keep around. Not going to be a top three wide receiver for you, but you put him in that four role, that five role, or if someone goes down because of injury, you put him in there, and he's going to produce, and he's done nothing but produce since he's been in this building. Charlie Jones, the rookie, they're going to be looking for him to replace Boyd in that slot, if that's the case. He didn't get a lot of action from scrimmage, and I didn't think he really did much from scrimmage until late in the year. I know we had him wide open for that one touchdown pass, and I think it was Browning who missed him, but you know that's just one play out of, out of a bunch. So hopefully the light goes on for him a little bit more. He did have that one punt return for a touchdown where he looked great, and a couple other nice punt returns. But he's again, I think he's got to go more north and south than side to side. He'll learn that quickly. Coach Simmons is not going to let him continue that that path. But we'll see what Charlie Jones becomes. I mean, it's it's refreshing to know that you have some young players and guys that aren't known commodities that you can bring in here, and, and we'll see what the future is going to hold for them. So Charlie Jones is going to get a much bigger role next year. As far as this year from scrimmage, it's you know I, I, you can't give him a really high grade because he didn't produce that much. But he also didn't get a lot of opportunities, and he did have that hand injury which slowed him down for several weeks in the middle of the season. And then the other wide receivers, they brought up Shed Jackson for a couple games, used him mostly as a gunner. Kwame Lasseter, they brought up for the Arizona game, and I think one other, and Burrow got him, you know, that that 
charity reception late in the game in front of his hometown crowd. So that was that was cool. And Kendrick Pryor, who starred for us a couple preseasons ago, went over to Jacksonville. They never used him over there. They waived him. We picked him up, but we didn't use him this year either. So he's someone that's going to have a shot at making the team next year. And maybe if he's there from the beginning of training camp, he can make more of more of a dent than he did this year coming in late. And Stanley Morgan showed why he has been on this roster for so long. And they only brought him up for a couple games. But when he came up, he made an impact at Gunner. And the problem is we have too many pass-catching wide receivers for us to keep a guy that's just a Gunner. And you always want to keep a special teams ace. And I, and I always think there's a role for him on this team. But then you got to go with seven wide receivers. And then you might have to part ways with one of the younger guys that they don't seem that they're willing to part ways with. But I would love to see Stanley Morgan back in stripes. So wide receiver is a thick position for us, even if Boyd doesn't come back. You have veterans like Chase and Higgins. Hopefully they bring Irwin back. You have up-and-coming players, guys that are going to be entering their second year, like Yosivash and Charlie Jones. You have practice squad guys that the arrow could go either way for them. Kendrick Pryor has been a threat. Kwame Lasseter, you don't know what's going to happen with Shed Jackson. So there's a lot of depth here. They may draft a wide receiver high in the draft to be the heir apparent to Higgins, but I think you have enough on this roster where that's not a major need right now unless the right guy falls to you. So wide receivers, the total performance, and this would be an A, a perfect A, if it weren't for the main guys missing time due to injury. So I'm going to give the wide receiver core an A- minus for the 2023 season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, on to tight end, and I want them to bring in a pass-catching tight end. We thought it was Irv Smith, one of the most disappointing Bengals. 18 receptions for 115 yards. And I know we only cost a million dollars. We talked about that in the the episode before. But when we brought in Irv Smith, did you really think, if I told you Irv Smith is going to have 115 yards total this year, no one would have believed me. You know, we thought he would have continued in the Hayden Hurst range and and had a career like that for us. And they said he was faster than Hurst and ran better routes. And he just didn't get it over here. And the injury history and the suspect hands that he was tagged with before he came here showed up when he was here. And unfortunately, he didn't have a good year for us. It was a big letdown. And I don't think he's going to be back this year. And truthfully, one of the biggest disappointments on the Bengals this season. But then you get the opposite of that. You have a tight end in Tanner Hudson. A practice squad cast off similar to Jake Browning, 
who comes in 39 catches, becomes a target, becomes a threat, becomes a guy that you, you can almost pencil in for four receptions for 50 yards each game. You know, he was really coming alive for us. He was running great routes. He used to be a quarterback, so he, he has an acumen for the game. And what a great surprise. And I know they're going to bring him back, but I think they're going to supplement him with a younger tight end, you know, just a pure pass catcher, you know, someone a little more athletic than Hudson, but I don't think you can go wrong with Hudson. If we go into next year with Hudson as the number one tight end, I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think they're going to want to get a little more explosive in addition to him. But what a surprise year. He's an, an A-quality player, and I'm so happy that he resurrected his career, took his opportunity, and really contributed to some Bengal wins this season. An old friend Drew Sample, you know, we thought that he was a bust, and as far as being an offensive threat, maybe that is true. He did have 22 catches, a couple touchdowns, but they found that role. We, he was billed as a blocking tight end when he came in, but we thought it was a blocking tight end at the end of the line of scrimmage, you know, blocking defensive ends and creating holes. What the Bengals did is they created a niche role for him as an H-back in the backfield, almost a second running back, almost a fullback and a personal protector for Burrow and Browning, and he excelled at that role. So I think they're going to bring him back in that role. And if you want to take him as a pass catcher, you know, you're, you're going to give him a, a middle-of-the-road grade, right? He, he had a couple nice catches, had a couple big plays, had a couple touchdowns, but for the most part, not a threat to receive the ball. But as far as a blocker and that personal protector role, I mean, that he had an A season in that role. And then Mitchell Wilcox, you know, that's just tight end depth, and he performed when needed. You know, he, he had a handful of catches, had some excellent blocks, played special teams. You know, a guy that's never going to be at the top of the roster, but if you're in a tight end room and you, you're a young room with not a ton of talent or not a ton of high-end guys, he's someone that fits into that rotation, and he didn't do anything wrong this year. Not a game-breaker, but certainly not a liability as long as he's not a long snapper. But again, that's two years ago, so that doesn't count for this year. So tight ends, not huge game-breaking ability, but a star was born in Tanner Hudson. Drew Sample found his role. So if you want to give an overall grade to the tight end group, I'm going to give it a B to B-, minus, but we'll be nice. We're going to say a B for the tight ends because Hudson did make some game-changing plays and Sample did make some game-changing blocks. All right, offensive line, and we'll take it one spot at a time. First off, center. Ted Karras was the MVP of our offensive line this year. Very few penalties. Every game I, I run down who let up what sack, and he seemed to let up the least out of everybody. Again, I'm not reading out of a stat book right now, but from the eye test and from what I'm seeing when I rewatch these games, he was effective in the past game. He's also effective in calling out protections and being a leader on the field, off the field, in the community. He basically did everything right, and I think he was our best offensive lineman this year. And it's nice that we have him in the fold for another season, and he's just going to be you know, that, that veteran that Joe Burrow can rely on to anchor the center of the line. And if he plays like he did this year, that line's going to be in good shape with another addition or two. Trey Hill was kept on as a backup center, but he was inactive for most of the weeks. Nate Gilliam was on the practice squad for the entire season. Max Sharping got some duty at center, even though he's billed as a guard tackle. It seemed like he was the next center in because he was active on game days. And Trey Hill, even though he's the number two center on the depth chart, was not active most of the time. So Sharping came in. There's not a lot of things to talk about with the backup offensive line because we had the starting five start every game, which is so rare and unique. 
and pretty much play every snap of every game. On to the guards, Alex Kappa, who's been our best lineman prior to this. I think he had a slightly down year. I, I still think he played well. It's just I thought he had a down year from the year before, but still someone to build around. You have that center of that offensive line that's really coming together, and he's a class act. He plays hurt. He plays tough, and he's a valuable asset to this offensive line. Cordell Volson, he's going to be entering his third year, and he's just getting better and better. You know, rookie year, there were some mental lapses, some leverage lapses. You saw less of that this year. You saw some dominating performances out of, out of him this year, and he definitely has the size. He's playing with Kappa and Karras on that interior, so he has veterans to kind of pull him along. And I think he's going to be a Bengal starter for years, and I was impressed with him. You know, as a rookie, he, he got it together midway through the year, and I thought he had a very good season this year as well. Not perfect, let up a few hits on Burrow, of course, but still a very good year. And then backup guard Cody Ford, they brought him in as a veteran, and he was the sixth lineman, so they used him as the extra lineman, as like an extra tackle, tight end kind of thing. And uh, when Kappa went out in one game, he came in as a guard. So he was the next man up on that offensive line, whether it was guard or tackle. And he played decently when, it, when he was in there. It wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't dominating. But he came in as a backup, and there wasn't a major drop-off. So a decent season out of him. And if they can get him for the right price, they're going to probably bring him back unless they load up on young offensive linemen. And then the other guard was Jackson Kirkland, who they had high hopes for. He was on the practice squad most of the year, and then he got hurt midway through the year. So an incomplete grade on him. Okay, moving on to tackle Orlando Brown. I'm going to say a slight disappointment and still a great player. I'm looking forward to having him on the line for years to come. He was a pro bowler all the way up till now, and he did not play like a pro bowler this year. Let up some big hits, made some mistakes, had some great push in the running game, but also games where he kind of disappeared in the running game. So he showed flashes, and not even flashes, he showed a lot of plays where he was a dominant offensive lineman and a top-of-the-league offensive lineman. But there were some lapses, and he had problems with certain pass rushers. So I'm not discouraged about Orlando Brown, but I don't think that he had the year and was the savior that we were hoping for this season. But that's not a referendum on him. I believe that he can be that guy. I think he's the kind of guy that's going to learn from his mistakes, and I'm not worried about Orlando Brown as a long-term starter for us. Jonah Williams. I don't know what's going to happen with Jonah. He's been one of the most maligned Bengals players, and I've gotten mad at him so much over the years. I think he had his best season this year at right tackle, and he had some games where he was flawless and, and played as a first-round pick should play. But for the most part, he showed that he's an average tackle in this league. He let up some big hits on Burrow, let up a bunch of sacks, and I just don't think that he's someone that you want to rely on for that right tackle position for the long run. And I'm not sure what the Bengals are going to do. I think they're going to take it if they get someone in free agency or a high pick in the draft, they're going to get rid of Jonah. If they're unable to do either of those things, they're going to bring him back. Then Jackson Carmen, it was a mystery why he didn't get in there more. I guess they like Cody Ford more as the number six. I would have brought in Carmen as that sixth offensive lineman. I mean, he barely got beat out by Jonah, and then he just never played all year, I think, until the last game. He was inactive for a bunch of games. And if you remember, in the playoff stretch of the 22 season, he was our best offensive lineman. So it was a mystery why he was so buried on, on the depth chart. And again, the coaches see him every day. They, I, I'm repeating myself, but they, they watch every rep from practice, games, preseason. So they know better than me. 
but it was a huge mystery why he wasn't used more. I guess they see a lot of things that I don't see. But he's still a high draft pick with a lot of athleticism and has played well when used properly, which is on the left side as a left tackle. So I'm assuming that he's going to be back in 2024 as a backup left tackle. Hopefully we don't need him that much because Brown will stay healthy. But I just want to see Jackson Carmen get some more opportunity because I, I didn't think he did anything to deserve not playing at all and being inactive. It was just mind-blowing that he was inactive for so many games. Then some other offensive tackles. Deontay Smith, he was hurt a little bit this season, but even when he wasn't hurt, they had him as a healthy scratch for games, so he didn't get a lot of action this year. And then they had Devin Cochran, who was on the practice squad and then got injured, put on injured reserve, so he didn't have any contribution this season. So I wanted to go into an observation of the offensive linemen that we've drafted over the last few years. You had Jackson Carmen, Trey Hill, and Deontay Smith. Now, those were guys that have been around for a couple years, and you were thinking that they would eventually grow into starters or highly productive backups. And if you look at those three, they were barely active all season. I don't know. I can't even count how many snaps they had. I bet you probably 40 snaps tops between the three of them for the whole season, and that might even be a generous number. So unfortunately, we weren't able to develop those guys as well as we thought. I still think that Jackson Carmen can play in this league. The Bengals didn't feel that way, and they didn't give Hill or Smith any action. They brought in other guys to take their place, like Sharping, a, a cast-off free agent from another team, and Cody Ford, a cast-off free agent from another team. So they felt that these veterans were better to bring in than these younger players that they drafted with the intent of developing. So if you think about the last few drafts, the only lineman that's been developed has been Cordell Volson. So I don't know where things went wrong with these young players. I, were, was it a, a draft decision? I don't lean towards that because we've drafted so well everywhere else. Was it a coaching thing? I don't know. I don't want to get on Coach Pollock. You know, he's he's a fiery coach. The, the organization loves him. But we just need more development out of these young guys. And I mean, you, go, you can go back to Jonah Williams as a first-rounder. He never developed the way that he was supposed to. But offensive line is a tricky thing. I, you either get your blue chips like we thought Jonah would have been, being, what, a top 11 pick, I think, the year he came out, or you go free agency. And and I'm starting to realize that go for the veteran free agents. Go for the guys that have a couple years and, and grew into NFL players, unless you get some, some really dominant rookie. Because that's how we built this offensive line. Karras and Kappa sharpened their teeth elsewhere. Orlando Brown sharpened his teeth elsewhere. Volson homegrown, panned out. Jonah Williams homegrown, Jury's still out on, the, on whether he panned out or not. So offensive line, they let up 48 sacks this year, a ton of hits. Burrow hurt his wrist by getting hit by Jadavian Clowney, so I can't give the offensive line a good grade. Mixon had 1,000 yards, but looked like he probably could have had 1,400 yards with better blocking. So unfortunately, guys, no disrespect, I'm going to give the offensive line a C- minus for this season. So overall, we come into the season thinking that we have one of the most explosive offenses in the AFC, and we do. We have weapons everywhere, and we weren't really that this season. You know, We weren't putting up the point totals of some of the, the leaders of the league, and our offense had some games where they were asleep. You know, A lot of it was the Burrow injury, the transition to Browning, but I still think that this offense is one of the tops in the league, but if you go by the overall performance this year, they weren't quite that. But I have no worries for the future. You have Joe Burrow back. You know you're going to bring in another offensive lineman. They're working on a tight end or another wide receiver. 
I think you're stacked at running back. I think you're stacked at wide receiver. You're one game-breaking tight end away from being stacked there as well. So look out for this team to get back to form in 2024 and be popping up 30-plus points a game and just blowing out teams. I'm looking forward to it. I will catch you guys next week, probably a week to 10 days. We'll do the same thing we did today with the defense. Until then, stay loyal, stay cool, and always believe in the Bengals. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.